A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D., the Dead Poor Hitter. You can find me at Twitter at Dead Poor Hitter. We're going to be getting into the main event fab over on the NFBC. My man Todd Whitestone covers it on a free article every week on spstreamer.com. And basically, we just go into the article and talk about the top bids, some drops. Guys who went for an extraordinary amount of money. Um, today's guest, too, on top of me and Todd, would be James Anderson from Rotowire. Um, James led some great insight into a lot of the popular prospect pickups this week and was just filling us in on whether he thought the the ads were, were um, well worth it or not, at least at the moment, and his thoughts about several prospects that are... Um, playing in the big leagues right now and might get a call up as well. So um, it was kind of almost a perfect marriage of getting him on the show with some mini Fabapalooza runs this week. So um, it went really well. And I think you guys will enjoy this episode and get a lot of good information about prospects and expectations of the prospects going forward. So with that being said, here you go. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pole Hitter, here with my normal weekly partner, um, Mr. Todd Whitestone, and we have special guest, Mr. James Anderson. So, James, thanks for um, joining us. And Todd, James, how are you guys doing today? Okay, good to see you, Rob. You too, Todd. Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man, absolutely. So, <clears throat> we're going to spin through Todd's... Uh, article here on spstreamer.com. Before we start, I just wanted to ask you guys, um, I know you guys partner up on a lot of teams and I'm just interested to know how that came about, Um, you know, because playing with a teammate, um, I did it last year with Jenny Butler and it was cool. It's a great experience, but you know, how ours came to um, happen was she just DM'd me and wanted to do the tag team league. And I was like, okay, sure, let's go. Let's let's try it out. But how did you guys start this union of teaming up for... um, (laughs) main event and online leagues? Well, let me answer because uh, I was the one sort of the instigator. Um, I, I kept listening to James when he was doing podcasts and stuff. And it was uncanny, Rob. I was like, every time he said he liked a player, it was, or almost every time, it was that I also liked him. And then when he said he didn't like a few guys, I, I was also on board. So I just, I, I forget, I think I just messaged you, James, several times and said, you know, we should really team up because I think we see the player pool very similarly. And it's sort of worked out well. We've done it for like three years and uh, we usually agree whether it all works out. I'm not sure, but 
we usually pretty much agree on which guys to go after. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I've had other partners before and uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing, it seems really simple, but just uh, agreeing on players yeah. uh, a large percentage of the time, I think is the most important thing because you don't want to be in a situation where uh, it's like a your turn, my turn type of thing, or you're compromising too much on too many guys. And then you like resent the other person for someone that you didn't want to add and they like made you add and then they're bad. And then you're just like, I would, I would have never added them if it was my team right. or that type of thing. So right. um, I think just, just the fact that we agree on, on a really high percentage of the pool and uh, we've kind of developed a really good sort of system um, that we've sort of fine tuned uh, over the years in terms of just draft prep kind of getting a, a set list of targets that we're fully on board with. And um, it's, it's worked out pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, you definitely have to be on the same page, but something you, you said hit me real strong. You said like almost to the fact that maybe that you're con like compromising too much, like maybe conforming to the other person's opinion. So you don't have like too much riffraff. Is that what you meant? Like something like that where you, you're almost like, okay, okay, sure. Like, even though you're not a hundred percent in, yeah, because I'm like my personality, like I'm not I'm kind of um, conflict averse. And so I would I think I would generally kind of rather take the path of least resistance, even though that's not, you know, and I'm just so busy. Like I just I, I, if, if I was constantly arguing with my co-manager about <laughs> players, it would just be a huge pain. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that, that kind of sums yeah. it up. That's great. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, out of all the things I've ever heard about teaming up with a person, that that I think is the most money thing I've heard because I've thought about this in my head. Am I am I just you know going with it just to just to be you know not like and like you said also <laughs> do I want to add this into the time of the day to you know to argue about this player? That's <laughs> that's really fascinating. No, could you could you made that thought bubble up into my head? That was awesome. I read. I could really resonate with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The one other thing I would say I'm, uh, that I've been able to do is over the years, I've been able to figure out when James is uh, truly agreeing with me. And then sometimes when he's <laughs> saying, sure, that's fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know that he really doesn't fully agree. And so I can kind of adjust better than the first year because I can see that, okay, he's saying fine, but that's not really what he wants to do. And maybe I should rethink my position because James has a better record than me anyway. So I, I should probably think about it. Um, anyway, That's good it, stuff. it's worked out very well. It's worked out very well. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's good to hear. All right. So let's get into this week's fab recap in the main event um, fab for the weekend. It was sort of a mini fab palooza. Um, could have been even more if uh, we were able to get a couple more players into the pool. Um, but Todd, bring us, um, lead us off with your article here. Told us, uh, tell us the um, category two that you dove into this week. Okay, I, we can do that first, I guess. Uh, I looked at run scored because that's sort of an overlooked category um, that uh, you, know, you need to take a look at and people focus on homers or steals. But uh, if you're not 
up there and run scored, usually you got some problems on offensive side. So mm -hmm. I took a look at who was the best, who are the better hitters so far this year in run scored, and also what you needed to be uh, to get the 80% level in the main event. Um, and, uh, you know, it turns out that run scoring obviously is down. So you don't need obviously the, uh, the highest number that you've had in the last couple of years, you can be a little bit lower. I have the number in here in the article, but um, certainly the target is lower than it's been in years past. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, and you noted too, that you would need um, 169 runs right now to get into the 80th percentile of right. the um, points available. So um, where do you guys stand on your main event teams with runs so far? Are you in that threshold? Yeah, we, well, we've got two main event teams. So we got one that's doing really well and we got 186 runs as of today. And the other is lagging, it's 158. So we need work on that one, but um, but at least they're both reasonable. Um, there's some other categories we need more work on than that. Interesting. Yeah, I'm standing at 182 and 177. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, ooh, that's interesting to know. That's why I like reading your article because, you know, um, it saves me a point of going to get the number. And then I'm like, oh, let's see where I stand right now right. on this level. Um, yeah. And as you noted, it, it's really been falling down the 80th percentile in 2019 it was 1149 runs and um last year it was um 1083 and right now it would be about if extrapolated out it would be about 971 so um, yeah, we wouldn't even we wouldn't even get to a thousand this year for the 80 percent main event team so yeah i don't i don't know how much lower it's gonna it can go but i'm not as optimistic as some other people are i don't know about james that the, the offense is just going to bounce back because the weather is warmer in June and July. Yeah. I, I haven't really spent much time thinking about that. I, I just, I think you, I think we're all kind of in the same boat one way or the other, like it's either going to bounce back and the rising tide's going to lift everyone up a little, or we're all just going to be kind of stuck in this together. So I don't, I don't think it matters a ton just in terms of category chasing necessarily. Right, right. Um, James, speaking of the category chasing, when do you um, like try to take a look at the stats and actually try to attack it? Is there a certain point of the year or is there a certain category and like a distance of numbers that where you're like, okay, this is, this looks alarming and I should start attacking it or are you just letting your best team out and then toward the middle or the end of the season, you really start trying to close it up? So uh, this year specifically, uh, I think I attacked stolen bases and saves in the draft. And like, I'm just not really worried about those categories at this point in season. Um, and then on the offensive side, right now, I'm just hyper-focused on uh, roles, plate appearances and skills and not necessarily runs or RBI, that type of thing. I'm just like, how much is this guy playing? Do I believe in him hitting enough to like maintain his role? Uh, is he hitting in a nice spot in the lineup? Uh, you know, where, what's the upcoming schedule look like? That type of stuff. Um, but by the time we get to say um, late July, early August, then I'll probably be a little bit more focused on exactly where I'm at in runs, home runs, RBI. Um, 
batting average and stolen bases, I, I feel like you kind of you kind of need to address those before the year uh, for the most part. Yeah. Um, and then with pitching, I think it's it's a little bit different. Like I think, like I said, with saves, uh, for the most part, I, I address that preseason. And then, uh, you know, whether to go after wins and strikeouts at the expense of ERA and WHIP, I think that that's very much a sort of team by team, um, context specific type of thing. But uh, that that's something I'm looking more kind of closely at uh, this at this point in the season. Right. Absolutely. Um, what what would your strategy for the save? Was it like getting the hater type or waiting to get like the next bunch? When were you getting your closes by? Uh, for the most part, I was getting two by the time it was Knable and Melanson. And then uh, in, in a lot of leagues, I was getting like two of the top seven. Um, I have a couple teams where I like randomly ended up with like David Robertson or uh, I fabbed uh John Duran in a few places, just super cheap early in the year. But uh, for the most part, I was really spending up on two closers. Yeah, for our two mains, Rob, uh, we got uh, Romano and Presley in one of them. So that looked good until Presley's had his sort of injury concerns. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, we got Ray Saul Iglesias. And when, then we unfortunately got Blake Trinan. Um, which was sort of my idea, so I take the blame for that. But uh, we did rebound and got uh, Danny Jimenez, who's sort of helped keep us afloat in that category in that other second league. So we're doing kind of okay in the save column. Did you guys hold on to him this week, Danny Jimenez? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know he was dropped in a couple of leagues and soon to see that, you know, that quick, quick release with the um, return of Lou Trevino. Um, yeah, I don't think he's out of the mix at all, personally. Yeah, apparently last night he got in there and he picked up a save, sure. Um, yeah, so very interesting. Um, Todd, why don't you run us through a little bit more of the article and um, some sure. of the players that we're going to hit on. Sure, so maybe we can go to the fab uh, section yep. and um, uh, just – mentioned the guys that had the biggest bids. The The leader was Juan Yepes, who was picked up in all 47 leagues. He, um, you know, he has been hot and he's been playing more than people predicted maybe at the beginning when he was brought up. Um, and then second was Royce Lewis, who James and I got in our two mains. Um, and then uh, third and fourth were Jose Miranda, another rookie in Minnesota, and Ben Gamble, who's been batting leadoff for Pittsburgh. So those are the top four ads. Oh, and then maybe I should mention Edward Olivares, who was fifth, but then he went on the IL with a quad strength. Right. Absolutely. Um, a lot of young guns up there on that list. And a lot of them where we may have had questions earlier, like maybe two or three days ago, some things are kind of opening up calls. Correa is indeed now going on the IL and um, Paul DeYoung got sent down to the minors. So who knows if that creates more opportunity for Yepes, but Lewis and Yepes definitely look like a little more fair playing time going forward. Um, James, what do you think about these young guys? Um, what's, what's the best that you see uh, best outcome from either one of these players? Uh, well, I think, 
Lewis is the one who has the uh, really impactful tools and the impactful potential. And uh, honestly, like he might be the best, um, you know, maybe Riley Green, but Lewis might be the best pure hitting prospect that comes up all season from here on out. Uh, Juan Yepes, I think, got over overbid on uh, this weekend. Uh, I think that people were a little focused on uh, what he'd done through like 16 plate appearances. But if you just kind of look at what he did at AAA, um, you know, how old he was there, it's, it, it's, it's honestly like not that impressive um, to me what he was doing at AAA. I know that that, that might seem crazy to some people, but it's just such a different, uh, such a different ball game down there. Um, like I, to me, Juan Yepes was a guy that maybe should have been like a fifty dollars a fab type of ad uh, that obviously wasn't getting him anywhere. But uh, I just, I think he's going to be fine. But I also just don't see uh, the power translating um, like he showed at at AAA. And uh, I think there's there's a chance for some a lot more downside with the batting average, and I think people were uh, baking in there. Yeah, definitely um, interesting to see the amount um, that he went for. I think his average winning bid was over 150 bucks. Um, yeah. yeah, pretty fascinating. I I had like a, you know, I don't know. Everyone always mentioned like, oh, I had to keep them honest bid. Like, I don't even call it that. I just call it like a half-assed attempt to yeah. get a player, you know, because you're not keeping anyone honest. I mean, anyone's going to put their price in is there's nothing about that. But uh, I think I was at like 32 bucks. I was like, all right, I'll just put it in. And, you know, if I get it, I get it. But, um, you know, um, seems like an interesting, you know, uh, profile to bid that much on. But um, is, is his defense, something? is your pet's defense something that can keep him away off on the field or if he just hits so well that it won't really matter? Well, it's, I mean, it's not good, but I think, I mean, they've, they've done as good a job as you could hope in terms of freeing up those spots for him at, at DH. Right. Um, so I, I'm not worried about that necessarily. I just think it's like, you know, Juan Yepes or Paven Smith rest of season to me is like a, a toss up or Juan Yepes versus G Man Choi rest of season is kind of a toss up. So I just, I think people didn't really understand what they're getting into there. Ooh, I like that second toss up. The first one, I would probably even go Paven. I like, I just, maybe because I just, I just have a thing for Smith, but um, that's interesting. That's an interesting second toss up. Yeah. I mean, if, I think if you, I think if, if that ends up like a similar skill set, then yeah, I think that's way too much money um, to be spent on. I, I lost out on both of my Jose Miranda bids. I had it at like um, 101 in one league and 91 in another league. And the 91 I kept and I lost it to someone who won for 182. And the 90, the one I had at 101, I dropped to 91 and I lost it 97 and 91. I lost them by six bucks. <laughs> and I'm so mad at myself. I just, uh, I hate when I do that. I hate when they do the last minute switch. Um, but um, is this, is Jose Miranda's hum one James that um, I would be mad at not getting or it, it, it's typical not a move for me either like I'm not a big spend heavy type of guy last year I, I spent a uh, hundred bucks only on 
uh, two players the whole year. It was Manoa and Eloy at the end of the year. But I don't know. I kind of like his skill set. What do you think yeah, about no, Randa? I, I do too. I mean, I, I like him more than Yepes, uh, just um, comparing their skill sets and how much success I would expect them to have over similar playing time. Uh, but I still think the bidding was a little too intense. Like, I think your bids on Miranda, to me, like those should have been good enough to, to get you close on him or maybe win him in one of those spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'd, But I, maybe I'm, I just, uh, I mean, we can maybe, we'll talk about this later, but I, I have noticed I've just been not uh, in the ballpark on even some guys that I've wanted or, or maybe I've been like $10, $20 short on guys that I've wanted. So maybe that's just me. Um, you know, not uh, properly um, calibrating what what you need to be bidding on these guys. Well, it is the first six weeks of Fab, so I think that's a different situation. I think if we keep bidding this about the same amount, we're going to start to get more players mm-hmm. uh, because other people will come down. The guys that are bidding two or three hundred now. Yeah. Yeah, and Miranda, just for some reference, he went for as, uh, as high as two seventeen, and his Lowest uh, price was forty nine, so um, definitely some some healthy bids out there for average bid about one fourteen. Um, you mentioned um, Todd, um, Mister Oliveras on the Royals, yeah. so he goes yeah. to the he goes to the IL. Um, but I wanted to try to pair it up with a playing time situation there going forward and see what you guys have to think about um, what kind of opportunities MJ. Melendez has going forward. He wasn't one of the top ads, but he was added in 18 more leagues um, this week for as high as 216. Um, and kind of gauge James, if you just had a good comp for like a catcher for him, like what would you expect if he can get some good run, some good PT? What kind of catcher are we looking at to like expected outcome statistically? Uh. I don't think he's that uh, that far off from maybe Grandal. If you gave him those plate appearances, mm. he that's that's kind of the bigger question to me. It, it's just how many plate appearances is he going to get the rest of the season? Uh, like Melendez is, uh, other than Royce, a guy like Melendez, the most of all the guys we've talked about so far, uh, especially long term, but. Uh, I think the Royals want him up. I don't. I like. I think they want him to hit enough to where he doesn't get sent back down, and he's able to play third. He's able to play the outfield. He's in the lineup today in the outfield, uh, and they obviously can DH him. They can kind of give him and Sal uh, both spots starts at DH, and uh, so I, I think that they can find a spot for him as long as he hits. And so far, so good on that front. I think he was really pressing at AAA. Uh, he's. Um, just a, a total baseball rat. Like I, I don't see like he he puts more time in in the off season uh, to work on his game than, than almost any prospect. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I really like him, uh, especially long term. And I think that the Royals want to keep him around as long as he does his part of the play. Wow, yeah, pretty pretty good word there. I'm especially to see Sal P uh, getting some more. DH time um, as soon as he got called up. So it should be interesting going forward. Grandal is a great comp. Wow. I didn't uh, I didn't know it was that good. I probably would have been, 
jumping in a little more on that. Uh, <laughs> that's great. What about some of the other young Royals um, coming up from the minors, possibly, or even guys like Isbell? Like, how do you see all that shaking out on on the Royals going forward? Any of the Pasquantino um, or um, Nick um, Prado types are going to come up? Uh, well, I, they keep uh, messing around with Isbell. I think Isbell is good. Uh, and I just think it's a matter of whether or not Mike Matheny plays him. Uh, the Oliveris injury maybe helps on that front, but uh, they broke camp with him. And he didn't play him at all for like 10 days. <laughs> and yeah. They had <laughs> nice. to send him down and then they brought him up and then he played like the first two days and I didn't play for another four days until Oliveris. And even last year, James, last year they jerked him around too. They had him up and really it was like three off days and then they'd play him one day and it was yeah i mean the royals like the i think through the first like two weeks of the season the royals probably had the most consistent lineup of any team in baseball which is kind of funny considering how bad they are <laughs> um, but uh i i'm just not sure uh, i i don't know i don't think Matheny really likes him um, as for prado um i i don't think he's really close to ready to hit big league pitching. I think he would just get destroyed if he got the call. Uh, Pasquantino, on the other hand, I think is one of the few hitters left in the minors that I would have interest in if they got the call. Uh, he's just got such a good command of the zone. Uh, he's got big time power. Um, so he's, he's pretty interesting. I don't know if they're that close to, uh, calling him up it might be more of kind of a June or July type of thing but um, when Pasquantino does get to call I think I would be um, involved in that better nice I feel like he got I feel like he got a lot of helium too in the offseason and he still has a lot of it now so probably be a popular name um, I know I would probably instantly get his jersey because it'll be instantly the most Italian name in the league. I mean, you know, you got, there's some other Italian players, but it's just, you know, the Rizzo's and, you know, bottle type last names are just, you know, Pascantino is, is solid. So um, what's the nickname that's been going around well, for him? So, so the, the nickname is officially Italian breakfast, which is sort of like an ode to Billy Butler being country breakfast. Right. But, I've been trying to get Italian beef going because <laughs> like to me, it's more fitting. And I think Italian beef is more of sort of a well-known, like, I, I don't know what Italian breakfast is. I know. Yeah, really? Is, but, um, yeah. Either way. Good. Good. Nickname. Yeah. The Italian breakfast is coffee. <laughs> espresso. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. all it is. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man. That's just that's the that's the mandatory thing. Oh man, that's that's funny. So um another another guy I wanted to ask you about, um, got a, br a brief call up, still got surprising amount of number of bids was Jaron the Duran, who was scooped up in 24 leagues for as high as 154. Um do you think at any point they would move on? from a guy like JBJ and try to bring him up and give him some run? And if so, you think he's um, would do anything with the opportunity? Yeah, I was super bummed that they sent him down uh, before bad bidding because I <laughs> thought he was going to get really overbid on. And uh, it, 
I, I kind of compared it like to when, like, you know, when you're like hard out on a pitcher for some sort of injury related reason in preseason, but then they get injured before all the big drafts. So then yeah. all the people that were going to draft them don't draft them anyway. The colors, the colors. Right. Yeah. So like that, I was really bummed about that. Uh, that's not to say like, I don't think Duran, like, it's not like there's a 0% chance that he would be good. Right. But I just think people are really, really uh, misinterpreting uh, kind of like with Yepes misinterpreting his success there, uh, mm-hmm. not taking into context the all that kind of goes into the jump from AAA to the big leagues, especially um, these days. And uh, his defense is bad too. So, uh, you know, I think at some point they're going to have to talk to ownership about getting rid of JBJ, right? Because he's owed probably like 10 million still on his deal. Uh, so you need ownership to be willing to pay that uh, for him to not play. Um, and they're obviously kind of cheap. Uh, so, Right. Uh, that's that's a tough conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably better than JBJ, anyways, even though he's a, not a good defender, uh, just because of how bad uh, Bradley is. But yeah, uh, I just, I think Duran would hit like less than two thirty uh, over the rest of the season if he was up, and and maybe even worse than like two hundred. So I I just don't believe in the bat at all. Gotcha. Yeah, what um last year when he was called up um for the July 18th um fab bid, he went for um he went in 38 leagues for as high as 294. And his um his median winning bid was 148. So yeah, like you said, if he was gonna stay up, he probably would have reached those numbers again this year for sure. Um for the uh allure of his his skill set. Yeah. Um another um guy I wanted to ask you about was Alec Thomas on the Arizona Diamondbacks. What do you think of his um, opportunity and rest of the season look like? And, and James, maybe you can loop in Corbin Carroll. I mean, I just was thinking mm, that Corbin yep. Carroll was uh, almost as good or maybe better than uh, Thomas, but you tell me what you think. Well, yeah, Corbin Carroll's way better. Like he, uh, he Corbin Carroll might be my number one prospect when I update the list and, uh, about 10 days or so uh but he's just uh, kind of on a different timetable than thomas you know thomas sort of paid his dues to triple a already last year and then he was up there this year and carol carol got an aggressive assignment to double a this year so i wouldn't say that there's a zero percent chance he's up this year but i think uh i don't really think that that would be something that would happen for at least a couple more months uh thomas I just don't – To me, I, I've kind of always compared him a little bit to, like, Adam Eaton. Mm. Um, like, like, maybe, like, he he could be, like, the good – the best version of Adam Eaton uh, at some point. Uh, but to me, that's just not a player I'm really interested in as a rookie because there's just such little margin for error, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, if he only hits 240 or only hits 230 – then he's just not really playable. So I, uh, I think he's more of a guy I would maybe look at in the off season and, and um, evaluate whether I'm interested next year. I do think the playing times there though. So uh, I get it from that sense. I just, I think he kind of lacks uh, the type of impact potential that I would look for in a, in a rookie hitter. Gotcha. 
Corbin Carroll, I have I had him in a dynasty league game that I uh, I took over a team last year and it was my first year in the league. There's 20 teams in it, a whole bunch of guys in in the league. Uh Toby, uh, Brian Slack, um Dylan. Uh it's it really just a solid league from top to bottom. And um I took over this team. I did a draft with uh Steve Weimer, who took over a team. We had a draft of the two teams, and I took all the young guys. I'm like, I'm just I'm just going to try to build this up, right? And last year, it was cool. I had all these stud rookies that uh, stud prospects. Everyone kept trying to email me for and trade, but I stuck with them. And then this year, I was like, you know what? Last year, it was too hard to just, like, tank. Not tank, because I was still fielding a team, still, you know, bidding on players. But it's so hard to, like, know that you're not going to do good. I was like, I want to make moves, you know? So I wanted to, like, try to get incrementally better. Um, my really like first taste of dynasty, especially one that deep. I have a home one that's 12 team league, but not as deep as this. And so I had Corbin Carroll and I had the number three pick, um, in the first year player draft and I traded them for Alec Manoa. Tell me what you think about that deal. Uh, that's, that's kind of the ballpark of what I would what would need to be on the table for me to trade Carol. Uh, I mean, I, you know how much I love Manoa. Um, yeah. I mean, he might be a guy who goes in the first round of drafts next year. So I, I, I think that's going to end up being one where we won't know who won that trade for three or four years, honestly, because, because Carol to me could be a first rounder as well. Um, but he's, uh he also might not be up and like, he might be one of those guys who breaks camp with the team at the start of next season. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. All right. I feel pretty good about that. Um, One more, um, actually no, George Kirby. So he went for four ten in the one league that that he was available in. Um, I wanted to know about what you thought about his first game. What are we looking at going forward um, for him and what kind of pitcher maybe you think he, be like in the range of, and, um, you know, obviously if he has another good start, what are we looking at here? Price range, do you think for his bad bidding next weekend? Uh, it's probably going to be pretty crazy. Uh, people kind of showed with the Yepes bidding, they will react to a small sample. And right. um, when Kirby got drafted, my comp on him was sort of uh Kyle Hendricks with a 94 mile an hour fastball. And since then he's added velocity. So he, he, and he still has that pinpoint command and control and just the crazy off speed stuff. Uh, and he, he's the type of guy. Um, I just think he could have, I, I almost liked him more as a prospect when he was sitting 94 because I thought there was less injury risk and because mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think he's so good. Like, like he could be, you know, like Shane Bieber, that type of pitcher, right? Like where it's just um, hitters have no chance because of how well he locates, how well he sequences, like a, a bevy of pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so my, my real only concern with Kirby is just uh, durability because uh, they really babied him last year. Um, like it was six, seven days in between outings last year, dealt with shoulder and arm issues. Uh, you can look at like his, his innings per season. It's not that impressive uh, for a college pitcher. And so 
I think he will be excellent when he pitches and maybe he pitches a full season. Maybe he gets to like 150 innings this year, uh, maybe 130, 140, something like that. Uh, and if that happens, I don't think you'll regret blowing your fab on him. Uh, but I do think there is um, as much injury risk as you would expect with a, a pitcher his age and maybe even a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of the fab prices, I just I'm I'm worried because I I know I'm gonna want to add him in a couple places, <laughs> and I just don't I don't know if I can bid because I I was in on Manoa a lot last year too, and yep. uh, that bidding wasn't as crazy I don't think as no. the Kirby bidding might be, especially if he has another good outing this week. Well, the, the, that was later in the year. I think that's a big factor. That was um, yeah. That was Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, so I think yep. there's a big difference between uh, mid mid May and late May. Um, anyway, he was the one guy last year that I got, and I think I got him for two forty or two fifty ish. And yeah, so he brings me that like bias of oh, it works, you know, <laughs> you go up for a good young pitcher, and yeah, it works. Um, also, also but, I, I yeah, again. like I have this, I have this. Uh, theory that I, I've uh, kind of gotten more confident about the, in, in the past like few days that uh, if we're going to invest in prospects, I think it's actually gotten to the point where I would rather invest heavily in a good pitching prospect than a quote unquote, like good hitting prospect, because I just think it's so much easier. Well, first of all, there, there are a lot of really good pitching prospects that are going to debut this year who are unowned and made event leagues. Um, Max mm-hmm. Meyer, Grayson Rodriguez are, all, are coming fairly soon. Uh, Libertor, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be another half dozen guys that go for triple digits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just don't think there's the same amount of um, adjustment when you're a big-time pitching prospect as there is when you're a big time hitting prospect, especially if there's like any swing and miss in your game at all, because right. uh, I, I I did a note for the, the site on uh, Tristan Costas today. And there's a really interesting quote from Heim Bloom uh, in the article that I was sourcing where basically more now than ever before, the book is fully out on every hitting prospect that comes up and teams know exactly how to attack yeah. these guys. Yeah. And that's why I think you're seeing even the best hitting prospects in the game um, get off to these slow starts. And that's yeah. what kind of makes what Julio Rodriguez has done recently all the more impressive is that he's made these adjustments. But yeah. uh, I just, I feel more confident at a guy like Kirby or a guy like Meyer or a guy like Grayson Rodriguez uh, being good right away than I do basically any hitting prospect in the minors. It's kind of funny because in a dynasty league, which I, I don't really play in, but dynasty league, you really want the hitting prospects because, you know, they're more likely to stay healthy, but in a redraft situation, you want maybe take the shot on pitching. It's it's kind of a reverse thing. Right. Yeah. I almost kind of want to see like maybe where Kirby go, like what range he goes for and then kind of maybe adjust for the, like you said, the next, you know, Max, Max, is it Meyer or Mayer? Max Meyer. Max Meyer. Yeah. Max Meyer, yeah. Yeah. Um, that might be a strategy of mine to just wait this one it, out, but it'll be crazy because it will be. And I remember this being the case. Um, remember when it was Fab Lusa a few years ago, I made the comment that like 
be careful because Jordan Alvarez is coming in like a week or two. Mm. And so you were able to get that discount on Jordan Alvarez because everyone had spent big on these other guys who played poorly right out of the gate. And then like, so I, I don't think Kirby's going to perform poorly, but like, I would rather have Max Meyer for 200 than Kirby for 400, but that it, it's probably going to be more like 450 versus 350. Right, right. 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 Yep. Yep. That totally makes sense. That's kind of something I'm thinking is, 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 um, it's Italian beef. The next Jordan Alvarez is he? <laughs> is he the guy that like comes like you said that comes afterwards and just uh, is just a polished hitter right off the bat? It might be it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I honestly, he's the only hitting prospect in the minors that I think I would be making competitive bids on. Um, really? It's wow. like of of the guys who are going to command more than fifty bucks. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I like Casas a lot long term, I just think the bidding on him is going to be crazy, and I think he's he could struggle. Um, like I think Spencer Torkelson should be a, a good sort of example um, on a guy like Casas. Mm-hmm. I think they're very similar players long term and, mm-hmm. and they have similar adjustment periods. But uh, Pascantino, you know, he's well known. He, like we we all know about him. I mean, most people that play in the main event know about him, but he's not that sort of just mega name you know it's been a top 20 prospect for a while so i think you could get him for maybe like 120 150 something like that what, what, let me just fit in a question mm-hmm. about brennan davis not because he's better maybe than some of these other guys but i just feel like he has a higher ceiling long term do you think he might be up in june or july for a look or do you think he's going to be down there all year james yeah, he's on. He's near the very top of the list of guys who's probably been the most disappointing to me uh, so far this year. Oh, okay. Um, I I thought that he would be kind of looking like he was ready right now, uh, but he's hitting 195 with a 34% strikeout rate. And wow. So I uh, part you know part of it is just. Uh, the weather, um, like the Cubs AAA affiliates in Iowa, so he's been playing through some some bad weather. But um, I, that's just huge red flag in terms of what I would expect for him to do against big league pitching in year one. Okay, okay. And Todd, you also have a question about Mr. Riley Green. Yeah, I um, just owned in thirty six percent of league, so he's yeah. going to be highly sought after as well. Yeah, I, I was surprised, James. You know, people are picking up Riley Green like he's coming back in two weeks. And my understanding of the injury was that this was going to be a while. And also it wasn't going to be like when he's, once he's healthy, he's just, you know, uh, ready to go a hundred percent. He's going to need rehab. He's going to need probably they'll put him in the minors. And uh, I just feel like maybe you get a couple of months out of him at best. I, I love his talent, what I was seeing, but um, people are acting as if, uh, they really need to hold this guy like he's on the verge. Do you, do you agree or no? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I think uh, I think you're totally right about like it's not going to be oh he's healthy and now he's up. Uh, probably right. you know kind of like what the Orioles have done with Adley Rutschman, uh, where it's been sort of a slow progression. Uh, um, like he's almost going to need to have spring training all over again, basically. Right. Uh, so 
if you are willing to wait on him, knowing that it might be like late June, uh, then that's one thing. But just kind of, you know, we all have to make tough decisions with stashing guys sure. with that type of timetable. And it's, it's kind of a team specific, you know, how many options do you have on your bench? Uh, if right, you've I got agree. a really healthy team, I, I think adding him is fine. But sure. The guy, the the guy who's leading my main event one, um, he uh, picked up his name Michael Garcia. He picked up Riley Green this week, um, and he also for what eight bucks and dropped the aforementioned Blake Trinan. Um, but he um, he's interesting because he's leading my league in batting points with seventy three. Um, and has uh, Grayson Rodriguez on the bench. So it's pretty interesting to see his, you know, just stashing stashing guys when he can, I guess, afford to, you know, while you're sitting at the top and, you know, you feel comfortable in your standing and your bench team to, you know, I guess that's the perfect marriage of, and he's also got Josh Lowe. Actually, I didn't see that. So he's got a lot of stashing now. So, you know, I think that's, you know, where where you have to, you know, just also be a little careful, you know, when maybe uh, I think I felt it sometimes too, where maybe just felt a little too comfortable and ran myself a little short a couple of weeks or on a couple of half weeks because of, you know, trying to stash too much. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think I could ever stash three prospects at a time at a main, but I, uh, the other thing with green is look at what, like, look at Julio and Bobby Witt's first month. Mm, perfect. Right. And right. so maybe it's not even until uh, August that you're getting reliable, positive production from them, you know? So, like, there's, there's just all kinds of stuff to, to weigh in there. Yep, I agree. Um, James, what are your thoughts on Spencer Strider? Um, it looks like the Braves uh, might be lining up to him to get into rotation. Do you think – they're going to do that or do you think they're just going to kind of utilize his ability to um you know come in the game as a as a piggyback and just use him to like an almost like a Garrett Wicklock type role or do you think he's destined to start uh probably more the the following an opener uh kind of like similar sort of to yeah like well, Whitlock seems like he's just in the rotation, but um, right. like similar to yep. like Ashby and Tanner Houck, like that type of thing where you kind of have to look at his usage and try to gauge whether you're going to get one or two appearances that week because uh, it, it might not be as a scheduled starter. But he's he's been really dominant. And uh, I, I could see there being a stretch where they maybe go with him as a traditional starter this year. Maybe he gets like 10 starts or something, but uh, – I think they want to use him as a two to three inning weapon in the postseason. Interesting. Yeah, I saw an article. Um, I forget where I read it on. It was, oh man, I wish I could remember, but they were just talking about how, um, you know, the Braves were trying to line him up um, when he came in um, versus, let's just say, two or three righties to start off his inning. It's like, yeah. and it was just explaining, like, you know, how teams are really just it's not just um picking a point where he's gonna come in it's not a pre-determined um inning it's just okay if we get to this spot in the lineup and it's you know to his advantage to get into the groove and then just keep going 
So you really see, I, we've talked about this a couple of times on the pod, me and you, Todd, but you know, about mm-hmm. just having that weapon that can just bring yeah. in, I just think it's fascinating to me, just a guy like Garrett Whitlock who can start, who can piggyback, who can close a game if he wants to, you know, it's just, it's, you would say, oh, that's easy to do. Like Max Scherzer can probably close a game three, three, four innings too, but it's just, it's not as easy as it sounds. These guys just like kind of just picking up and just getting into the game and just being really effective whenever they get put into it. It's pretty fascinating. Um, you know, uh, so um, Todd, do you have any more questions about some prospects to uh, ask James? Um, I had a general question for James that mm-hmm. uh, maybe won't take very long. No. Uh, so, so James, uh, you know, last year you and I talked about the fact that you thought AAA pitching was pretty weak. Um, and so the hitting stats were a little higher than really was should have been otherwise. So have you seen any trends in 2022? Is it just as weak or is it a little better? So the hitting stats are a little more reliable or what's your take on it? Um, I think it's probably about the same. Uh, okay. And then, like I said earlier with teams, just having these guys in-depth scouted, for their debuts, uh, you know, like uh, like teams knew from opening day on that they were going to be given Julio Rodriguez nothing but breaking balls. Right. And, um, like, teams will know right away, like, when Tristan Casas comes up that we're just going to um, bring in lefties for this guy every single chance we get. Mm-hmm. And uh, – I just think it's there's all these different factors. Teams like want, um, I mean, it just it's just such a different caliber of stuff. Like in terms of the high end stuff, like you, you will have like your Grace Rodriguez and your Max Myers that have uh, premium stuff at AAA, but uh, most AAA rotations have three guys that just don't have big league caliber stuff Um, so it's just such a there's all these different factors and that's why guys like Juan Yapez guys like Jaron Duran uh it's just it's not enough to be a 22 percent strikeout guy at AAA who's having a bunch of success especially if you're walking way less than that like you need to be doing what Royce Lewis is doing as like a 22 year old or what Vinny Pescantino is doing as a 24 year old for us to take you seriously at all as someone that can hit the ground running. Yeah, okay, I got it. One thing that just came to my brain about the starting pitching prospects, um, that does it play a role at all into – I know for when Manoa was coming up, a big draw was just also that he was on a team that, you know, had a good chance of winning games. I know you can't go chasing wins, but he had an impressive 20 games started and nine wins last year. It was like, does that – play any bit into effect of a guy like Grayson or Rodriguez where you're like, okay, like um, that he may not factor into too many wins or it's just getting the, like getting elite stats it would, would override that. Uh, I mean, I think it's a, it's a small thing to consider. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd be more concerned, obviously like skills are the most important thing, but uh, I'd be more worried about just making sure like to me the thing that was appealing about Manoa was this was just a true workhorse starting pitcher all the way like they they're going to eventually build him up to be a 200 inning guy 
Um, and you just want to make sure that that's the way the team's going to handle the pitching prospect. And it's not going to be one of these, you don't want to bid 400 bucks on a guy who's going to be really baby, you know? Um, yeah. And so that was, that was part of the appeal with Manoa too. Absolutely. Definitely makes sense. Um, let's, let's hop into cover a couple of the um, guys who are also on the top bid list. Um, what do you guys think about Mr. Brandon Drury? I mean, he's just been red hot, huh? I mean, got three eligible positions, um, barreling up the ball, getting playing time. Um, did you guys have any interest in a guy like Brandon Drury this weekend? I think we had him uh, on our list. So we did, I got him in one other league, not the one James and I are in, but, um, but yeah, I think he's got playing time, which is always attractive and I don't expect him to keep this up, but uh, certainly I think he's a valuable commodity to have on your bench or in your lineup right now. Yeah. He, he's another example of just a guy that I just w- wasn't uh, aggressive enough on. Um, and fab um, I think guys like this like your Brandon Drury's and your um, obviously Taylor Ward from earlier in the year but uh, like Ben Gamble like the, these guys that are not sexy but are veteran guys that have a chance to play every day like yeah. that's where you want to focus that's where you want to focus your fab and not necessarily on these prospects yeah Adam Duvall last year remember mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I wasn't aggressive enough either on Drury, not at all. I got him in an OC for seven bucks, but um, I didn't rival any of the bids that he went for in the mains. Um, he went for as high as 97 um, and a lot of just really solid bids over, over 40, 30 bucks. And just, I, I don't know um, if you can keep it up, it'll be some, it'll be a great, a great get for um, a lot of these guys to scoop them up because like I said, his, his skills are pretty through the roof right now, but um, man, hindsight looks good for everything, but it's um, and, and you mentioned another guy, James, Ben Gamble, you know, um, just getting the opportunity to lead off uh, a lot of games, um, shaking the um, only getting in versus uh, righties. And, you know, that, that plays up when you got a guy leading off and, there's always something to be said about players accumulating playing time on bad teams. You know, he's, he, he's checking up all those boxes right now. Did you guys have any uh, Ben Gamble bids this week? Yeah, I think he was on our list, James. Uh, we had him not, not tops on our list, but we had him. I, we, I don't think we got him in our leagues, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I didn't get him anywhere. This I, I got him a lot in draft and holds um, for right, the reason too. you've, mention Rob like we we definitely can't be scared of these mediocre guys on bad teams you know there's a there's a chance that they they have just like one or two skills that could lead to them hitting high in a lineup and playing almost every day that's yeah really valuable these days Right. And that's why if you had like if you head over to fan graphs and look at projections um most most of the models have them for only 97 games going forward, you know, only 368 at bats. So um, if you just go onto the page and quickly look at that, you're probably not thinking, okay, is he going to play full time? He's going to have more than that, but still eight, eight homers and seven stolen bases. And is the average. And for, for a guy like that, I got caught like looking too much at um, 
I don't know. I, I just hyperanalyzed it too much. I saw the Monday to Thursday, four games too. And I, I think I went too high into like, Oh, he's facing two lefties. What if he gets, you know, what if he sits one or what if he sits even two and then you're just wasting a fab bin on that and not really looking at more full pitcher, um, you know, full playing time. Um, you know, you could lose when you, I guess, looking too much at things in a snapshot rather than uh, a couple of weeks down the road, you know, um, what about James Caprillion, um, pitcher? I think he's in line for two starts this week, right? Because they play 17 games. Um, <laughs> this uh, he was popular. Uh, just even any A's in general. Um, I, I think I had a dollar. One of my last conditional bids in one of my runs was Pache for a buck, and I got him. And, of course, he sits yesterday, and I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> this is what, you know, like, yeah. uh, he was the last guy because I guess he was the youngest. And I'm like, he's the last guy that needs a day off in any one of these four days. But I was right. wrong about that. Right. Yeah, I think we had Pache and Caprillion on our list again. Uh, I think I was stronger on Caprillion than James, but we didn't get either guy, so – it didn't really matter. We were just trying to put people in the right order. That's sometimes that's the hardest thing, Rob, is to put, you know, which guy is third, fourth, and fifth in your waterfall. And uh, we, we had those guys lower down our list, I believe. My, my worst beat of the week and probably the year was in my solo main. I bid 106 on Josh Winder and he went for 114 and the runner up was 112. So I was, I was eight away, but I wasn't even the runner up. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really, I really like Winder uh, going forward. Wow. Yeah. You like him going forward, James? You think he's going to be able to um, carve out some good starts or you either, either role that he gets you, you're kind of okay with. I just think he's, uh, you know, I think, uh, like he's sort of the opposite of Spencer Strider from a depth of arsenal and command and sort of uh, sort of checking the boxes of like a starting pitcher that like a team is going to look for. Um, whereas like like Strider has this crazy stuff. Um, Winder's got good like his he's mid nineties with fastball and he's got good slider, uh, a couple other good secondaries. But uh, I just think he's basically a ready to go starting pitcher uh paddocks hurt uh, who knows how long guys like bundy and gray and archer are going to stay healthy i just i think he's someone in, that in a 15 uh i didn't start him this week in the places i have him against houston but i think most weeks if he's in the rotation you'll be very happy to start him yeah interesting um one last guy before we move into the century bid is um tyler wells I scooped up Tyler Wells on um, April 17th, actually. Um, it was only one of five teams to pick him up. And, you, you know, you would have thought I would have got him cheap, but I was so excited about it. <laughs> 14 unopposed dollars to nobody. Um, but uh, it was so funny because I, I always kind of liked his skills. And I was kind of looking at it. I never really realized he did so well in the minors as um, a starter. I was so um, focused on what he was maybe going to do last year as a closer um, that opened up my eyes to that. And I think it was one of those like first instances where you don't have much information, but, you know, um, like 
guys like Eno and um, the the pitching bot, um, they have their stuff uh, plus, you know, and it, he was at the top of the list for a couple of those models. And, you know, it's it, it's just something that was like, okay, so that's an extra thing. So I was kind of excited about him then, held on to him and um, thought I was going to get the two starts last week, but got a good first start this week from him. Um, yeah. He went for as high as 56 bucks this week, um, a bunch of 30 and $20 bids for him. You guys have any um, interest in Tyler Wells, but if you don't, what do you guys think about his, um, you know, skills going forward? Go ahead, James. Uh, well, you know, nice, nice bid by you uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I hadn't really been paying that much attention to him, to be honest. Um, he, he had decent numbers in the minors, but he was never really a, prospect of note at least for me yeah. uh, so uh, maybe maybe a blind spot there and then um, didn't do a ton of prep on really any of these sort of periphery Orioles starters before the season um, and then by the time they uh, pushed back the fences yep I was kind of in the in the heat of things already but uh, yeah I think that that could at least be a, a solid streaming option I took a lot of the Orioles at the end of draft champions as just like a kind of like Zimmerman, Keegan Aiken and Zach Lothar, who I thought was like going to be in line to just chew up innings after, you know, like last season. So I got a couple of them in late, late, you know, like late rounds, you know, late 47, 45 ish rounds. Um, but Aiken, I don't know. I I'm hoping that he still gets a shot at the rotation one day. He's been pitching well out of the bullpen though. So I don't know if they're going to change that. But um, Todd, tell us about the 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 uh, wow bid of the week and the century the century winners. Sure, sure. So the wow bid is uh, the the highest bid of the week in the main event, and this week it was Brendan Rogers for four hundred twenty four. Now, I think Brendan Rogers is fine, uh, and I think he's going to play better than he was just awful at the beginning of the season. But I think four twenty four is crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, it was sixty nine was the runner up. So, you know, normally I don't say, well, it was a bad bid just because there was a big gap between the runner-up and the winner, but that just seems so high to me. I mean, the Rockies, they just never seem to do anything consistently. So um, I joke with James one time that, uh, you know, he should, could do a whole article on Rockies' uh, management of different younger players. Uh, not that he has the time for that sort of thing, but... <laughs> um, Anyway, so that was, I felt crazy. You guys can disagree if you want, but um, the Century Club the, bids over 100. There were 34 players that got bids at least $100. And, you know, this happened last year. You know, a lot, there were a couple of weeks like this where people just, no problem, I'll bid 100 plus on a lot of different players and you can't sustain it. You know, you can't uh, keep this up. And, so it, it sort of showed, uh, you can see the wide variety of players that were bid on. There were injured guys, there were younger guys, there were some guys that were dropped unexpectedly. So um, anyway, so any any comments, welcome. But I just, uh, this is the sort of thing that's going to fix itself. People are going to run out of money and there's going to be less and less 100 plus bids. Yeah, the, I mean... I always try to go through and see which one, like, cause a lot of them obviously wows, you know, but I always try to like 
pick out one that, especially when you dive into, you know, the actual bids and see the backups, you know, for a lot of them. And it's like, oh boy, you know, you really, you really, <laughs> you really went like Jack Flaherty, for example, he was the one I think for me, that's just like uh-huh. you know, 229. The, the guy backed up was 227. But like, what are you really expecting from him at that price going forward? Like, even if you need, like, you have to be, I don't know, going for the jugular, like thinking he's going to come back as an ace and you already have a good staff. Because I think if you're like struggling and pitching, you know, I would think it would be better to, you know, spend that money on a lot of other pitchers, you know, or streaming starters going forward. That one took me by surprise. I don't even know when you you can realistically expect him back. Yeah. Yeah, I had like, I had like a $16 bid on Jack Flaherty in my man. And obviously that was. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's long tossing or something now. I think he's just starting to uh, be active. Right. Right. Josh Rojas, he was another guy that I was having a hard time gauging like of a value for. Um, He was available in, in one of my leagues. Um, had like a $41 bid in for him. I don't know if it should have been higher. I don't know how you guys feel about him. He went for 103, but I, I just don't like, I don't know. I just look at his profile and I'm just like, I always, I'm just asking myself like the multi-eligibility is nice, but would you just be better off in having like a Jose Iglesias, like just hit for a higher average? And I don't know. It's just, it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, not evaluating his skill set right. But what do you guys think about Josh Rojas? Yeah, we 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 have him in one league. We sort of held him through his uh, injury, um, so I think we like the multi position and think he's going to get playing time. So that was. Yep. I yep. think James, James, you could tell me uh, if you're different, but I think that's the main attraction. I think he's going to play, and I think he's pretty good and he's probably going to perform better than a young rookie in most cases. Yeah. I, I think he's just really solid. Uh, and he's, he's not only got the shortstop second base outfield, but he's going to have third base here in like a week. Right. Um, and uh, just kind of the perfect, you know, I, like I prefer him over say like Josh Harrison or, um, you know, name whoever you want that's got the multi-eligibility who's not a surefire every week plug in your lineup guy, but a guy who, right. you know, you're probably going to be starting him more than you're not starting him over the season because of injuries and stuff. And just obviously you, you start him when he's in Coors and you, you start him when he's playing the Reds and stuff like that. And uh, you start him when someone else is hurt. And just that, that positional eligibility, the fact that he could steal – like he could still steal 10 bases rest of the season. Uh, he could still hit 10 homers rest of the season. Um, I just, I think he's solid, but I, I don't think he's the type of guy I would have gone crazy for in fab, but I, I think we held I held him wherever I didn't need to drop him. Like if, if I were ever in a pinch where I, um, well, like in one league, I actually dropped Luke Voigt and held Rojas over Voigt because I'm just, really kind of worried about Boyd's skill set and the risk of re-injury at this point. But um, yeah, I, I don't expect to be starting Rojas every week. I just think he's, he's a nice guy to have. Yeah. I would have held him over Voigt too. Uh, he, but yeah, he, he's, he's, I would 10, 10 is definitely reasonable for the rest of the season. That's what his, you know, um, the projections are looking at steamer and the bat X, they have him for that. 
Actually, the bad X is the lowest on him for the power for, with six homers, but the rest of them are in there with nine, nine, ten. So pretty similar expectation for Rojas. I the third base, getting the third base will be huge too. Definitely um yeah. solid. Yeah, yeah. Didn't think of that actually when um I was considering that. But um and it's, see, that's funny because like it's the guy you held, but it's also the guy you wouldn't go for a lot in Fab. It's that's like an uh that's a special player because like he's just good enough, I think, to get you know, it's just different because yeah. most guys don't fall in like that. Yeah. But I would agree. Um, I think um are you trying to pick a fight with Wilmer Flores though? That's what he wants to know. Are you saying that Josh Rojas is better than Wilmer <laughs> I I mean that's it's kind of different things, right? Like with Flores, you're looking at like how many lefties they have coming up. Right. Um totally. And I, I do prefer Rojas because of the speed and the like he's even got better eligibility than Flores, but mm-hmm. um I think playing time I mean, is locked up. That's a that's a fair that's a fair uh would you rather. And it, yeah, I think the, the playing time too, right? Like I, yeah, I'm never yeah. worried about is Rojas gonna sit two of these four games. Right. Yeah, Drew Drew Ellis is not um putting any fear <laughs> into, into the third base position and especially with Flores too he's, he's he's hitting well too but he just got all the guys that are coming back now that made me um you know I dropped Tyro Estrada I tried to just be you know get in on a week on that and of course he goes still base yesterday but um yeah what are you gonna do um Todd talk to us about how much each main event team is spending per week and how sure. much they spent this week Sure. So it, it popped up uh, as I was uh, alluding to before. Mm-hmm. It went up to seventy-one dollars per team. Uh, the average team has now spent three fifteen through the first six Fab periods. So that's a little behind last year when there was a couple of real high weeks up front. But still, I think pe- teams are starting to run lower on available resources. So uh, and I think another couple of weeks, Rob of $50, $60 per team. And then people are going to have to pull back and you'll see it drop to the 40s the way we did last year. Um, so it's, uh, I expect next week with Kirby and uh, Alec Thomas, I expect that to be another fairly solid week with high spending. And then maybe in week eight, you might see uh, a decline if there's nobody big coming up. Yep. I think we saw that last year too. This week was um, is when it started to dip last year. Um, but yeah, yeah, but you know that definitely helped that all those uh, young bucks got called up and got everyone all excited. Um, what do you guys have remaining in your fab leagues? How much money I have? And main one eight forty three, and my second main eight forty seven. I think I'm holding too much right now. I've been a little too gun shy. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. We have 751 and 821 and okay. the, the means that we're doing. So we're still about approximately 800. I think I'm getting yeah. cheaper and cheaper every every season. <laughs> I, I'm, I've got 928 in my solo main. Wow. So, I mean, I, I'm really annoyed and like I've got... <laughs> I did. I was able to get some guys I wanted really cheap, uh, like a week before they were like I got like Quan and Yandy Diaz and Duran like a week before they were popular. But um, I just I wish I had gone like like I wish I'd been like one fifty on Winder and won by forty, then lose right. by eight. 
right. So kind of that stage of having regrets. You don't have me to push you to bid higher in that one league. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, but in this league where I have 928, uh, the thing I could probably use the most is a good starting pitcher. So uh, George Kirby, uh, okay. come on down. Possibly. 450, 450. <laughs> I had um, I had Stephen Kwan available in one of my online championships this week. He was dropped and I bid – you know, uh, I think I got him for 61 bucks um, up to 47. But the just just to comment real quick on online championship bidding, there is no rhyme or reason to it. And no. and I mean, yeah. I it's I just fascinated every week. I just like shake my head and I'm like, oh, my God, like I totally guessed wrong on everything every right. week. three week three leagues and every league has different tendencies <laughs> and every league is just all over the place it's there's there's no really art to guess in the fab price for any leagues but those are just i mean yeah yeah wacky sometimes sometimes you win really good guys unopposed and sometimes you are like 200 bucks short um, <laughs> someone you thought you were gonna get. <laughs> Yeah, at least in the main, you could say you're surprised sometimes, but it's not a regular basis like the online. Right. Absolutely. All right, Todd, close us out with some Coliseum. Bring us into the Coliseum. So so this is, uh, James, I look at uh, the top four guys from three weeks ago to see if they were good ads or not. And I put them in uh, a win, push, or loss category. And so this week was pretty good. From three weeks ago, Taylor Ward and Paul Blackburn were easy wins. They were great ads three weeks ago. I don't even think I need to read the stats. Uh, you guys know how good they've been. Um, and then uh, Miller and Espinal, you could quibble with me. I mean, they've been pretty good in those three weeks, uh, 256 and 274 average, respectively. couple homers for Espinal. I, I was a little underwhelmed, but I think that they certainly could improve over the course of the season. I put them in the middle category. You know, you could argue that in a 15-team league, these are really good ads, but um, I don't know that what they did in the first three weeks was really a super win um, or anything. But so, but it was a pretty good week. Last year, it was uh, we got about 25% in the win category for the whole season, and right now we got uh, running over 40%. So it's really been good so far. I think, um, uh, you know, it's interesting. I have Espinal. Um, he, he's on this list. And I, I think that's a good call. He's definitely a little bit of a push. I think he's been, um, he helped my, I definitely, he definitely improved the spot I replaced with last, you know, that um, the player that he replaced, but, um, Taylor Ward was a swing and miss, uh, definitely too. And a guy that I was all over last year and especially in draft champions league. Then I just, this year, I just completely, I don't know, just faded him <laughs> for, for no reason. Apparently, even when he got called up, uh, he just didn't bid enough. I wasn't aggressive enough. Like you, like we're talking about, it was just, wasn't in the price range that, um, I mean, it was like, oh, I can't spend a hundred bucks on this guy. And I, I guess maybe we should have, you know? Uh, yeah. So who'd you guys pick up three weeks ago now that's um, made an impact on your team? Anybody? I think that was about the time we got Danny Jimenez. Uh, okay. I, Solid. I, I could be wrong, but that was really, we were desperate because Trinan was out of action. So um, 
but yeah, we've, I think we've cycled through a few guys. We've had a few misses also. I don't remember exactly three weeks ago what we got. Um, gotcha. I scooped up Tyler Wells, like I mentioned, Paven Smith and Cole Irvin. I think I got exactly what I needed from Cole Irvin. I got two solid starts. That was his two start week. And then, uh, definitely, uh, ditched him. Um, Wells <laughs> still, you know, hopefully he just keeps pitching well. And Smith, I still have around. I like the dual eligibility. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in my other league is um, Espinal and uh, Spencer Howard, which didn't work out well. But uh, no, who knows? I'm probably going to bid on him again. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd you guys bid on this week? I'll give you my bids real quick. And you tell me who you guys bid on. I, I got Manning in the league and I dropped Chris Sale. Done. Ooh. Had to. I just uh, I needed yeah. the space. And. Um, I'm not doing terrible in the league. It's not like I, I was like desperate, but I, it was burning a hole in my eyes every time I saw him on my team. And it was just one of those random picks too during the draft. Um, I don't know. I get really aggressive and in a different mood in live drafts. Um, <laughs> I'm more subdued sitting in front of my computer somehow. But when I'm in live draft, I always feel like uh, the need to make a splash or something. And he was just a guy I, I just don't normally take in draft style. And um, he just, you know, he fell, he fell, he fell in my main. I was like, scooped right. him up. But um, I also picked up Brady Singer and I dropped Ross Striplin, uh, the aforementioned Christian Pache. And I dropped Estrada. And in my other league, I picked up Matt Manning as well um, and dropped Hansel Robles, who is just... I mean, you just put them in your lineup, hope for a save, and you don't get anything. You know, how many times can you keep doing that? <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, just too yeah, We had him. We, we had him, James, I think, uh, Robles for a while. Um, we we yeah, picked we were, up. You dropped him? You guys dropped him? Yeah. Go ahead, James. We were debating whether to drop Robles or uh, uh, McGee. Jake McGee a few weeks ago, and it turns out the answer was we should have dropped both. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was oh, both, man. yeah. Drop it, drop everybody. Uh, we picked up uh, Royce Lewis in both mains, Rob, and then um, nice. we we got a pitcher in each league for cheap. One was uh, Jordan Lyles for three bucks, nice. and then we got Jake Junis for fourteen. Okay, so, I don't know. We'll see what happens with either of those guys, but at least it was a, an arm that we hopefully can use. But um, it was two in each league was what we did. Was Lyles for the start or just for like kind of maybe like a little bit of a stretch? No, we, we didn't start him, uh, but just kind of um, see, 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 see where it goes from here. That type right. of thing. Yep. So Absolutely makes sense. Here's a window into how James and I operate is that I view myself as the general manager, Rob. So <laughs> I, I just acquire the talent. And then James, uh, he's in the dugout. He figures out who, who to start. So, so this is this is how it works best for us. You know, for other people, uh, they, they're more uh, sharing everything. But I think it's a good use of our time. And um, I'm, I'm more tuned in on doing the fab early. And James is uh, really good at setting the lineups. Nice, nice. If, if, if um, it was a couple of times last year when I was teammates with Jenny, where um, one weekend, maybe she was like super busy. She's like, I really have to catch up on my main team. They need a lot of work. So I'm like, don't worry, I'll, I'll do the bidding. I'll take care of it. She looked at it and she's like, it looks good. Well, maybe if it didn't even look good to her, she, like, it, <laughs> like you mentioned, Jamie, she was probably busy and just like, okay. Um, is that ever, uh, 
would that ever is that cool with you guys where one of you can trust the other to just make those oh, yeah. decisions? it sounds like it you know i guess you have yeah. to just in case you know um you really don't have time maybe to put in as much as you can into fab it's good to have that teammate that there you know that's yeah. there to you know to pick you up yeah cool all right guys i think we knocked that out fantastic james thanks for joining us um really a pleasure um tell everyone where they could find you i mean if they don't know where to find you and they know how to found me they're definitely doing something <laughs> wrong but <laughs> um, well thanks again for having me this was this was a lot of fun i really enjoyed kind of uh talking redraft strategy uh, i'm usually just so busy talking prospects and dynasty that it's just a nice change of pace um but uh you can follow me on twitter at real jr anderson and then uh rotowire.com slash try if you want to get a free 10-day trial uh got a big update to the top 400 prospect rankings coming um before memorial day weekend and then i'll be updating my top 400 dynasty rankings after memorial day weekend so uh, a couple good reasons to subscribe to the site if you're not already a subscriber definitely you have to you guys anyone listening has to get in there because there's just so many great resources on top of all the things you just mentioned and james the 400 list must be i mean there must be so much that goes into it i mean i can't even fathom what you have to do <laughs> to like get no. that list to just be well, the the top 400 prospect rankings is just a blast to update like i have a ton of fun doing that it takes mm -hmm. you know many days um but it's it's a labor of love. But the the top 100 dynasty rankings is like the opposite. Uh, right. That that one's not fun at all. And uh, <laughs> I just I just hate the finished product because <laughs> 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 like rank like mixing the prospects with the big leaguers with like yeah. the 18 year olds and the 38 year olds. It's just it, ne it never feels right. So you, you yeah. had Ian, you had Ian Khan doing that for a while. That almost yeah. got you out out of the business. Yeah, I, I was able to outsource those for a couple of years. That was, that was great. <laughs> yeah, because I just don't know how you forecast that, like uh, in the rankings. But a great feature on the RotoWire site is just linking your leagues is, is so huge. You know, like just being able to scroll into my Dynasty League and see who has who and like what ranks they are. It's just like a go to for a, a trade source. Like, you know, um, yeah. every time I had one of those deals, on the table, um, it was just instantly the first look is just just see their ranks there and then just get my own opinion after the fact too. But it's just such an awesome. Yeah. Um, the way yeah. our tech department has the, like for the, the prospect rankings, it's just such a time saver uh, in your dynasty leagues. If you're, you know, you, you want to drop this prospect and you want to see who's available in your dynasty league, you can just, you don't even have to like, care about where i've got them ranked but it'll just show you these are the guys who are ranked who are available in your league and it just cuts right. down so much time yeah right. that's great. absolutely yeah james i just love your work you have a good ability to separate the love of the dynasty and the you know and the prospect and the young kids to their actual you know redraft value um i think when i first started getting into the community and listening to podcasts every there was a lot of you know there's, there's a lot of analysts who just love their 
their prospect is like their babies and everyone's going to come up and kick ass, you know, but you're just really realistic <laughs> with it. And I just, you know, I just remember first listening to the prospect pod with you guys and, you know, you're just so, and I think that's your personality too. You're just real laid back and um, not an alarmist about anything. And, but you just didn't, you know, you weren't like super excited about certain players, but you were real realistic. And I was like, wow, this is, this, this is refreshing to hear because it's not, it's not common, you know, in the industry. Right. Yes. yeah and Appreciate and also that, too yeah. yeah and also too some other kind words too about your podcasting this year it was just really really awesome i think in the off season when i started hearing you host the shows i just thought it was like a really like awesome side of you that um i feel like it's a great role for you you really just like thrived in it so i hope to hope to hear you continue to do that for sure yeah that's that's the plan I really appreciate it, man. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Job, Todd, tell everyone where they could find your articles and where they could find your wonderful Sure. It's, work. Uh, my article is a free article on spstreamer.com. It comes out every Monday. Um, and then uh, I'm at Telstar7 on Twitter if people want to reach out. But I uh, really enjoyed this podcast, and it gave me a chance to bother James with a few questions. I don't get time to, to ask him every week. <laughs> so, so that was good for me. You think I should have just let you guys do your, you know, your line yeah. of choices on, on air? Yeah, we, that, that would have exposed us as, uh, you know, people that don't know everything. <laughs> yeah, we would have needed to edit that one. Yeah, really. <laughs> All right. On the, on one parting note, we're going to give James one, would you rather in true pod deck style, James, okay. would you rather your voice sound like Gilbert Gottfried or Fran Drescher? <laughs> Man, I don't know if I <laughs> pinpointing Fran Dresser's voice. Is that what's what's that from? She was she was on the nanny. Remember that nanny, like that. Brooklyn. Don't worry, we'll give him another one. Ready? Would you okay. rather have long nose hair or long ear hair? <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> it's both gross. <laughs> I think I'll go with. I'll take the long nose hair, I think. Um, I think it would just be a lot easier to like keep it under control. Uh, like blend it into a mustache, maybe? Yeah, just get in there with some tweezers. I mean, like, like trying to cut around my ear would be... Yeah, really? You could hurt yourself. Uh, awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much. You guys have a great yeah. night, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Rob. Right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Alrighty, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pull to Podcast. Once again, I really truly appreciate everyone who tunes into the show, who sends love via Twitter or leaves a rating and review the whatever second it makes you um, able to fill that out in 30, 40, 2 minutes. I really appreciate that time of your day. It makes the world to me. It really does. So thank you so much for everyone who has done that really means a lot and hope everyone is doing well in their fantasy season but if not there's plenty of time left ahead to keep grinding away keep finding ways to get better um you know whether you have a lot of time to look at it or minimal time make it work make it impactful the time that you put into it um a lot of times we can you know go down rabbit holes of things that may not mean anything but um we do go down it anyway needlessly but you know that's what we do we try to gather any information that we can that think we can act on to make us better and um and if it makes you worse and you know you pick it up like it's not working for you or it's not a good resource or it's not a good 
you know, amount of time to spend doing a specific dive into whatever you're doing. Just, um, you know, keep tabs on if it's working or not, or if it's being effective, or if your approach is getting better or worse, or falling into bad habits. So just be aware of the moves. We're kind of always hyper-focused on the next pickup, the next drop, the next week, or the next two weeks. Um, take a time to look at your current team, what they're doing in the last couple of weeks, what they're doing in the last month, and not just overall stats, right? We're looking at surface stats, um, but you want to look under the hood. You want to compare everyone um, on your team to each other and against the field. And when it's time to you know, evaluate who you want to pick up, any type of situation where um, you feel like you can improve your team, you'll kind of have a better understanding of if you truly are know improving your team so just keep that in mind when you bid and there's plenty of other contacts that you have to look into but do your homework do your due diligence and give yourself the best chance to win because that's all we could ask for you got to leave it all out in life because you can't can't bring anything with you when you're done so that's it you know don't be a bag of shit most importantly